Hello and welcome to a Friday the 13th, what could go wrong edition of On Iowa Politics. This week, still counting in the second and delayed reaction. Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. With me today are Tom Barton of the Quad City Times. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, James. Amy Rivers of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, James. And Gazette Opinion Editor Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. You can find us on the Facebook on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. First up this week, still counting. A week and a half after the election, and they're still counting ballots in Iowa's second U.S. House district. Marionette Miller-Meeks uh, won the race in the 24-county Southeast Iowa district on election day night. Then someone found some more ballots, and Rita Hart was ahead. In the middle of the night, more ballots were found in another county, and Miller-Meeks is back in front. Tom, um, who's on first, and where do we go from here? Yeah, so uh, currently Marionette Miller-Meeks is uh, still ahead by just uh, 47 votes out of more than uh, 394,000 casts for uh, a margin of just 0.02% or somewhere around there. Um, And uh, yesterday, Democrat uh, Rita Hart's campaign said that uh, it planned to request a full recount uh, of the results in all uh, 24 counties in the district. Um, As of this morning, Hart's campaign had 10 counties left to deliver a request for a recount, and they should be all delivered by by the end of the day today. Um, Counties have 18 days uh, from their canvas of votes to complete their recounts, which would be November 27th or 28th. Um, some could begin recounts as early as Tuesday, though it's more likely that um, smaller counties um, could start Wednesday or Thursday um, and finish by the weekend. Um, so we could we could likely see recounts beginning late next week or early the following week. Um, if there are any changes, the county will amend its canvas results to reflect the changes. And um, the state will not declare an official winner in the race until it certifies the general election results statewide on November 30th. And the Associated Press has announced that it will not call the race until then. So that means that this race likely, you know, uh, will not be officially called until after Thanksgiving. That's one of those uh, kind of quirks in the election law that always strikes me is that you have this congressional district race, but you have to request a recount county by county by county rather than just like going to the secretary of state and saying, hey, you know, uh, we want a recount in the second district. Um, But it seems like every election we learn about lots of quirky election laws. Um, So so it might be after Thanksgiving. Uh, before we learn who the winner is, um, if the well, I guess it doesn't matter whether the lead changes whatever the results are after the recount. Does uh, a candidate have any further recourse? Um, well, I mean, I guess there are always um, legal options. You know, there's always the possibility of of, of filing a lawsuit. Um, uh, you know, depending on what. I guess what comes up or what, uh, you know, um, comes about from the recounts, um, you know, similar to what you're seeing play across the nation um, with the uh, presidential campaign. I mean, there's there's always an opportunity, I guess, to to file some sort of argument in court. Um, I fingers crossed, knock on wood. I hope I'm not jinxing, jinxing myself. I don't necessarily see that playing out here. Um, 
just the way that these two candidates and campaigns have conducted themselves thus far. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily see there being, being legal challenges. I, I, I would hope and I would think that the, the candidates would kind of accept the results once, once the recounts are, are over and done with. As long as the, their respective congressional caucuses, I guess, accept the, the or yeah. campaign organizations accept those results. So yeah. uh, we'll have to wait and see. In the meantime, uh, freshman orientation is underway for the incoming class of congressmen and congresswomen. Hart and Miller Meeks both are in Washington to learn the ropes. Um, years from now, future on Iowa politics podcasters may discover that both the winner and the loser of the race are included in the twenty in the freshman class of twenty twenty one picture. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> something to hold on to for trivia night, I guess. Uh, one congressional newcomer who won't be in that picture is Ashley Hinson, who won the race in Iowa's first district. But earlier this week, tested positive for COVID-19, so she's isolating at home and will participate in orientation virtually. Um, I Apparently, along with her two children who are virtually going to school. Um, earlier, Hinson had quarantined after being exposed to someone uh, who had tested positive for COVID-19, so I guess she's sort of an old hand at this. Um, Amy, I think it's fair to say that you've been tracking the COVID numbers uh, as closely or more closely than any of us. So I, I doubt that you're surprised that a candidate who has been out on, on the campaign trail for months uh, has tested positive. Um, mm. In fact, given their exposure to people outside their immediate families over the past several months, uh, isn't it surprising that more candidates have it tested positive uh, for COVID-19? Yeah, it, it, it probably is, especially on the Republican side. We've talked on previous podcasts about how um, the, the Republicans, as, as a general rule, have been more out on a traditional campaign trail um, meeting with voters face-to-face than have Democrats. Um, now, when I've been out covering them, they've been masked. But as you know, it generally takes sort of everybody wearing a mask to really prevent that um, spread because it sort of like takes your own germs and keeps them in with you. Um and the, the problem is that even though people um, like Hinson and, and Joni Ernst have been masked at these events, um, a lot of the um, people that they've been meeting with have not. So, yeah, it's it's not too surprising that they would have eventually run into somebody, especially given the spread we're seeing, um, that would um, spread that to them. Um, so it would actually be interesting. Um, the two of them were campaigning together um, just a couple weeks ago. Um maybe not even a week and a half ago, perhaps. Um, so it's it's entirely possible if if Joni Ernst comes down with that, that that was when they were campaigning together on that last ditch effort. Um, if she doesn't, it was, you know, could have been somewhere else, um, but they were meeting with a lot of the same people. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if she possibly tests positive or, or other Republican candidates test positive just because it's been that traditional campaign for them. Yeah, it's, you know, it was interesting yesterday, Progress Iowa released this poll that they did of voters that, um, what was it, like 74% uh, of the respondents said they would um, wear a mask if there was a statewide mask mandate, which um, 
is about the same percentage of people who told the Des Moines Register or Iowa poll that they wear a mask. Uh, now, <laughs> based on my observations, 75% of Iowans are not wearing masks. So 75% of Iowans saying they would wear a mask if it was mandated. Um, I don't know if I'm buying that or not, but uh, <laughs> sure, I wear a mask. Did you read the Des Moines, Des Moines Register article where the, the contact tracers are, are thinking that people are lying to them? That was really fascinating. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. yes, yes, I'll say I mean, that's, that seems to be the story everywhere is that if, if they can even contact the people there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I've been at home for the past six months. Um, but, <laughs> I guess, uh, you know, for me, I, I'm wondering about the, if the real test for these politicians and candidates is when they get together, whether it's in Washington, D.C. or in Des Moines, and they're already starting freshman orientation and at the legislature, they're having the, you know, House Democratic caucus and Republican caucuses and things like that. So um, I think it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, all these people who have been out and about all across the state when they get together, if, uh, you know, we don't have a, uh, <laughs> you know, a quarantine mm. in the legislature by the time. Mm. True. But uh, uh, Amy, uh, also from the Hinson camp, is uh, her announcement that she plans to do a weekly news call with reporters. Um, that's something that Senator Chuck Grassley does and Senator Joni Ernst does on a mm -hmm. less regular basis. Uh, I seem to recall that Representative Bruce ba Braley uh, did media calls and um, Representative Abby Finkenauer has done a few um, off the record or on background calls, I guess she called mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. uh, so are, are you going to be dialing in every week? To <laughs> no, I'm punting that to you, James, obviously. <laughs> You'll be carrying it from zero. No, I think it's a really good idea that um, they're doing that. Um, you know, it, it's when politicians give more access to reporters, I think that's a very good thing, you know, and, and it gives reporters, whether they answer the questions, um, you know, truthfully or not, or whether they're, they're available for five minutes or 50 minutes, you know, all of that is, is going to play into how transparent they are. But I think it's a good first step for Hanson to do um, is to just sort of say, hey, I want to be available. Um, let's sort of just run down the week and talk about it. And if you have questions, this is the time that I'm always going to be available. You won't have to run down my press people and try to, you know, finagle 15 minutes here and there on my lunch break. So I think that's a really good thing. Um, and I think, um, I hope it sets the tone, you know, going into the future for both Republicans and Democrats to, to sort of, you know, provide more availability because that's going to be a good thing for the public at large. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's a good idea. Um, I'm not sure how much news a freshman member of Congress is going to be making. Um, you know, it's one thing for Senator Chuck Grassley, who chairs the judiciary, or well, he's chairing finance committee now, but is planning to be uh, judiciary, judiciary committee chairman again if Republicans hold the majority. Um, you know, in, in a position of leadership, um, not everybody uh, <laughs> has that sort of position. So it's going to be interesting to see how Hinton uses this. Um, I, I assume that some people will begin to speculate that uh, she's doing this to sort of um, raise her visibility, to raise her status in, in case she's thinking about something else down the road um, and and what politician isn't. Um, Todd. Uh, Devil's advocate. 
She she yeah. would be, she would be uh, if I if I'm devil's advocate right now. Um, whereas Grassley's been there for a number of years, of course, and is in a position of leadership. He's also really really used to what reporters are looking for, and and you know more ingrained and won't be like you know sponsoring bills out of nowhere. Whereas Hinson comes in fresh and possibly has some ideas that she's still very excited about and not jaded about, and that might come across in this. In the I'm hopeful. Good point. Good point. Good point. Todd, uh, do you think this will be an opportunity to get that editorial board meeting with uh, Hinson that you haven't been able to land so far? Well, I'd I'd like to think that I'd get in, invited to the press call. I mean, I've had to, I've, I've gotten all of her fundraising emails during the campaign. You know, stuff with like the subject line, "We can't do this without you," and turned out that wasn't true. She she did do it without me. So. Uh, yeah, I maybe we will get that meeting. Although I'm not, I guess I'm not going to hold my hold my breath. <laughs> You're not saving space on the opinion page. Huh? No, I, I, I I'm not uh, setting up the Zoom the Zoom meeting just just yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of things on hold these days, including Republicans' reaction to the apparent election of Joe Biden to the presidency. Um, Media outlets and election officials seem to have no doubts about the outcome, but President Donald Trump has uh, refused to accept his loss or, as he might put it, the theft of his second term. And whether they agree with his assessment of the election or are just playing along for the next 10 or 11 weeks, most Republican senators have not yet acknowledged Joe Biden's victory or offered congratulations to the president-elect. Senator Chuck Grassley, who has joined other Republican senators, uh, in calling for Biden to get security briefings, said he will congratulate Biden after the Electoral College uh, makes their decision based on the popular vote in states. And that's coming up December 14th. Uh, And Grassley defended this. Uh, He said he's being consistent. He said he hasn't congratulated Marionette Miller-Meeks on her apparent victory because the outcome of her race has not been determined. Uh, Todd, are, are Republicans being sore losers, or is this just uh, cautious conservatism? Well, I mean, as with so many other things the last four years, I think they're just sort of uh, not comfortable contradicting the president, who is continuing to claim, you know, without a lot of or any evidence really that he's that there's been skullduggery of some type that's robbed him of the election. Uh, I think they're just kind of sitting back and and letting him do that. And they know that, I mean, you know, Grassley and other Iowa Republicans look at what happened on election night and they see all the votes that Trump got and all the support he has in the state. So they're probably loath to make any of those folks unhappy. And that's that's kind of been the the script for the entire for the entire Trump presidency is that, yeah, he does really bad things, but we can just kind of shrug at them or offer mild criticism or avoid having to comment on it. So that's, we're just kind of still in that mode and and, and will be until uh, he's, he leaves the white house uh, voluntarily or however else it it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hope it's voluntarily. (laughs) Yeah, that would be nice. Wouldn't it? Or the other, otherwise would be more dramatic and make better theater. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Tom, Amy, uh, just, when you watch the or listen to these Republicans, you know, sort of not acknowledge reality, um, does it just make them look silly 
Well, you know, what's funny was um, when they initially um, came out with the results in, in Miller Meeks and Hart and, and, you know, Tom probably remembers this. Um, they had Hart ahead and Miller Meeks was on the side of, I'm waiting till we count all the votes, you know, that sort of thing. And then when that result flipped, um, it was a completely flipped <laughs> result where, where Hart was like, I'm waiting for them to count all the votes, you know, and Miller Meeks was like, well, the voters have spoken and that's just it, <laughs> you know? So obviously, you know, it, it seems like, okay, well, when you're ahead, you know, you have the opportunity to either, you know, be like, that's it, we're done. Or, you know, say count on the votes. So yeah, there's, there's a little bit of political gamesmanship going on, but I, maybe that's sort of going on a little bit on both sides. I don't know. It, it, it's possible that she's she's taking, um, you know, Trump's lead on this. Certainly wouldn't um, surprise me just because that's still technically the leader of the party. If you're ahead, declare victory. If you're behind, count all the votes. You know, <laughs> that's right. Yes. Doesn't it seem ironic that Trump is following Hillary Clinton's advice to Biden to uh, never concede? Uh, after bad-mouthing her for over the past, um, what, six years, he's taking her advice. It's very well could be, yeah. Yep. Life is, fu- <laughs> life is funny. So on a recent trip down a rabbit hole on the interwebs, I ran across the history of the word ostracize. It seems the ancient Greeks had a tradition of asking the people of Athens every year, essentially, if anybody in public life was really annoying them. And if enough people said yes, a second round of voting was held in which the names of nominees were scrawled on shards of pottery or in Greek, astraka. If the candidates won enough votes, they were expelled from the city for 10 years. And there was no other punishment unless they returned early in which the penalty was death. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) They could be invited back ahead of time if opinion changed. So so I'm just wondering if it's time to start smashing pots. (laughs) That's a really fascinating, uh, yeah. I'm sure that the, the people, the ostracized were complaining that the, about the polling. (laughs) <laughs> it's not accurate <laughs> yes i'm sure there there were, <laughs> there was complaining but <laughs> you won't hear any complaining from us because we uh love all our podcast followers but that's it for this edition of on our politics i hope it was worth your time if you liked it tell a friend and subscribe to us on itunes or stitcher or wherever you find your podcast send fan mail to podcast at thegazette.com. You can find us on the homepages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. The Olympics will take us out. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file and subscribe to On Iowa Politics wherever you find your podcast. For Amy, Tom, Todd, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening. Stay well.
Bye.